Welcome to In The Loop, a podcast with the Kosciuszko Chamber of Commerce, giving you the inside scoop on all things business and community and sharing the stories of those who call Kosciuszko County home. Hi, this is Scott Wiley with the Kosciuszko Chamber of Commerce, and I'm here with Ben Irvine. Uh, ben, your story is amazing, uh, how you got to this point of your life. Can you just share the road that you've been on? Sure. Um, so I'm a lifelong resident of this area. I was born in Leesburg, Indiana. I moved to Warsaw when I was about 10. Uh, went to Lincoln Elementary, then went to both of the middle schools, uh, Edgewood and Lakeview, then went to the brand new Warsaw High School, <laughs> graduated in 1995. Um, it, as many kids do when they're teenage years, you know, uh, gave into the pressures of some of the things that, that the teenagers have pressures for mm -hmm. and started, you know, uh, messing around with drugs and alcohol at a young age, about 16 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, at that time in my life, of course, never thought that, um, it would become a major problem in my life. It seemed fun. It seemed yep. harmless. It seemed like this is what everybody's doing. Yep. No, nobody ever expects it to lead to that. Um, nobody does. You know, I, I, I shared my story a while back, and I remember um, saying that, you know, um, when I was in kindergarten um, at Leesburg Elementary, you know, and I'm, our kindergarten teacher had us get up in front of the class and say, what do you want to be when you get older? You know, myself nor anyone else in my class ever said they wanted to be an addict. Right. Um, nobody plans on that. Nobody wants to become that. But situations happen in your life. Um, things happen, choices that you make um, lead you down that road. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened to me. You know, um, I won't get into all of it today because uh, we, it would take too long. But, you know, things happen in your life. It hurts. People hurt you. Uh, people say things, do things. You know, you experience loss. All sorts of things contribute to it. And, and, and when you're a teenager, you're already dealing with a lot of weird emotions and things that you don't know how to. And then things happen sure. to you. And um, you don't really know how to deal with the the pain and the hurt that you're feeling, and and, and you didn't even have to worry about social media. No, there was then. no social media back then, oh. uh, which makes it so much worse today because now everybody um, knows your business so much more. And if people want to shame you for things, it's much easier to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so yes, we we see that today uh, on a higher level than even when I was younger. But uh, you know. I, I remember um, having all these emotions and, and feeling these things, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And so, um, as I began to, uh, you know, get into the drugs and alcohol deeper, um, it became clear that these were things that I could do to sort of numb the the pain mm -hmm. and numb those feelings, and um, even even deal with some of the. Um, the shortcomings I had in my personality as far as maybe being shy or whatever, mm -hmm. but when, maybe when I was drinking or I was high, I mm -hmm. felt like more confident to talk to mm -hmm. girls and, and things like that. And so those were the kind of things that were attractive to that about me or about it to me mm -hmm. at that time in my life. And um, as I began to, to, to continue with that, it, it spun out of control very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, by the time I was 18, I mean, I was a full-fledged, uh, I would say a full-fledged addict and alcoholic. Wow. Um, and, uh, as you can imagine that life, it doesn't take long until, you know, you are completely down to uh, a rock bottom and, and in a place of destruction in your life. I mean, everything's falling apart. And so that continued for me for 20 years of my life. Um, it, it's just inevitable that when you continue on a path of addiction in your life, that eventually you're going to start, um, 
having run-ins with the law. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I mean, drugs are illegal. <laughs> so, I mean, if you continue to do something and breaking the law for long enough, you're eventually going to get caught. Mm-hmm. Um, no one ever escapes that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was the case for me. I've, I started getting, um, you know, uh, arrested for uh, drugs and alcohol-related crimes. And, and then um, as that began to continue to eat away at my life and financially um, take me down, um, when you when you're an addict and you have no money, then what do you turn to? You turn to stealing. You turn to, to um, sell, selling drugs, you know, doing whatever you can to to make money. And then that's what I was doing. Um, and you know, I became a regular uh, a regular stayer at the Costco County Jail. <laughs> I was there quite a bit. Um, the law enforcement knew me well. Um, the jail guards all knew me well by first name basis. Um, and so I was in and out of jail all the time. And, uh, you know, it was so hard. Looking back, I see how hard that was on my parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents were wonderful parents. I, I, mm-hmm. And that, that's one thing I want to make sure I say is that, you know, there's a stigma that people that are in addiction, you know, they, they must come from a bad family life, a bad home life. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times that is a factor. But in my case, it wasn't. And it, all, it isn't always. Mm-hmm. Um, people, you know, sometimes in their mind, they build up this judgment or this preconceived notion about what an addict looks like and who they are. But the reality is a lot of us in this community are living right next door to addicts and we just don't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause not every addict is um, at that place yet in their life where they have totally lost everything and, are, mm-hmm. and their life is totally destroyed. And right. some addicts are functioning addicts and are good at hiding it. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, I didn't come from a broken home. I, I had two wonderful Christian parents who had me in church growing up. Um, all my sisters were, you know, were on uh, doing the right things in life and, and everything. I was just the one who, um, I guess I was kind of rebellious. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of things going on in my life um, that I was trying to deal with. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I went down that path. And, um, you know, I, I look back and, and see how much that affected my parents and I want to say this because, you know, there's probably might be some people that listen to this that as parents that think that, that they have a son or a daughter that's an addict and they've tried everything they know to raise them right, that they feel like it's their fault. But it's not. It's not. Um, these things can happen to um, our children, even um, if we've done everything we can as, uh, to be good parents. Um, especially, in, I think, even especially today in the, in, in the world we're living in today, where it's just drugs are so much more readily available. And even the stigma of drugs isn't what it was when I was a kid. It seems more socially acceptable mm-hmm. in a lot of, a lot of mm-hmm. uh, circles for these things, sure. for these kids. So um, I want to say that. But uh, so, yeah, I spent a lot of time in jail and um, it was hard on my parents. It was really, really hard on them for, for the I know they prayed for me for years and years and years that uh, that God would get a hold of my life. And it just seemed like I never I never wanted I was I was bitter and angry inside mm-hmm. and I didn't understand God. Um, mm-hmm. um, the, the things that people would say to me about God, I didn't. I didn't see that as a reality in my life. I thought, well, maybe that's good for them, but he doesn't mm-hmm. love me like that. Or, mm-hmm. you know, and I can only look at it through the lens of, of my life and how uh, I was being affected by the world around me. And so I rejected God for all those years. But um, long story short, after this was went on for 20 years, in and out of jail all the time, I lose, you know, failed marriage, um, losing everything, um, you know, ho- you know, homeless on the streets a lot, you know, couch surfing, fr- you know, friend to friend, this kind of thing, just not a stable life at all. Um, I finally tried to got to a point where I, I wanted to um, to better my life. And I, I had been in jail, I got out and I was really try- going to try to make a, a real effort to, to better myself. Mm-hmm. And I met I met uh, my wife. Um, 
And we started dating and we ended up getting married. And I was doing good for a while, but after it didn't last long, uh, I started um, back down that path of drinking and using again. Mm -hmm. And after we were only married a short time, six months, and I had really gotten to a really bad place again. Mm -hmm. And I caused a very, very terrible accident that almost took my wife's life. Oh, my. And she, uh, she, her spine was broken in two places. Her pelvis was completely crushed. Um, she just had a lot of injuries and the doctors actually thought that she would be paralyzed and never be able to walk again. Mm-hmm. That was the thing in my life, Scott, that God, he didn't cause that, but mm-hmm. he allowed that to happen, I believe, because it was the place that um, brought me to my knees mm-hmm. where I realized I could not live like this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to come face to face with the reality of what I had done. And I never saw myself as somebody who was going to be, who would be capable of hurting the, someone they loved in that manner. Mm-hmm. And so in that, um, I mean, you can imagine that uh, that caused a lot of bad feelings amongst my family, mm-hmm. uh, amongst my wife's parents, mm-hmm. um, my own kids. Um, you know, everyone was very angry with me mm-hmm. because of what I had done. And so I was very alone in that time. And I contemplated, I, I was planning my suicide oh, no. um, because I just didn't know how to handle the pain that I was feeling. And so um, about two, it was about two weeks after all that had happened. And I, it, was the, it was actually the day that I was going to kill myself. I was in the basement alone um, and I had taken a bunch of pills and I had drank a bunch of alcohol, planning on just overdosing and never waking up. Mm-hmm. The strange thing happened, Scott, was that Normally, the, what I would have taken, I mean, would have been enough to probably get 10 men high, but I couldn't feel anything. It didn't do anything to me. And that was when I heard wow. the voice of Jesus. Wow. I heard Jesus speak to me and began to talk to me about how his plan for my life was not this. That He began to speak to me straight out of his word that, mm-hmm. that every human being that's created by him has a purpose and a plan in this, in this world. Amen. Something that they were created to do. And that, that my life... Um, was not on that path that he had created me for, but that it could be if I would turn my life over to him. And then he began to just speak to me. Um, you know, I remember my parents talking about God speaking to them about things, and I always thought that they were not, I thought they were lying to me. I didn't think God <laughs> talked to people like right. that because he never talked to me. Right. And, um, but that day he did. And people ask me all the time when I share my story to this guy, they said, how do you know that was God talking to you? And the only thing I can say to that is that when God speaks to you, you know it's him. (laughs) You know it's him. And I knew it was him. And I thought that if he ever did speak to me, he would talk to me uh, angrily about all the things I had done that were against him, Mm -hmm. against his laws, against the Bible. But that's not what he said. That's what Satan. That's Satan's role to do that. Yes, he talked to me about how much he loved me and how I was a son. Oh, man, and it gives me goosebumps. So in that time, in that moment when I, he was speaking to me, I said, "Okay, God, if this is you, what do you want me to do?" <laughs> because I said, "I don't. I've dug such a pit mm-hmm. in my life. I don't know how to get out. I don't know where to turn to even begin to to try to get on the right track." Mm-hmm. And no, I mean, no sooner had I said that to God, I prayed that, my phone rang. And when I, and I looked at my phone, no one had talked to me in two weeks since the thing had happened right. with my wife. And my phone rang, and it was my sister. And I answered the phone, and she began to tell me how her and my parents had been praying for me and how they had found this Christian recovery program in Indianapolis and that I could get into. And if I would be willing to go, 
that they would pay for it. They would get me in there, and that this this was basically my last chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and but they would support me and get me into this program. And I knew in that moment, Scott, that that was God wow. answering the prayer. I wow. just asked him what to do next. Right, right. And so I so I said, okay, let's do that. So I got. Uh, immediately got you know on the phone. We got it set up to go into that program, and I went into that program. Now, great. Now, understand it. I'm going into this program, and my wife is in the hospital with all these injuries right. that I caused. So I'm, right. I'm dealing with all that, and um, not really knowing. You know, it was just a lot to deal with. But I went in this program because I knew I needed help. So I was there. I was only there maybe two days. And I gave my heart to Jesus Christ oh, because I was such a broken man. And as soon as I went in there, they presented the gospel to me, be, began to talk to us about how it didn't matter what we'd done in our life, that, mm-hmm. that God could save us and set us free mm-hmm. from this life. Mm-hmm. And so I did. I, I gave my life to Jesus. And, I, and, and, and this program was just a program much like the program that I work at now at Exodus Ministries where mm-hmm. they just provide a safe environment for men like myself to come in and to deal with their addictions and to learn about God and learn the Word of God. So day in, day out, I was just being the Word of God poured into me. And I began to see in this program, Scott, that the Bible says that that, that Jesus is a healing Jesus, that he heals. Mm-hmm. And so I began to see that about Jesus. So I began to pray and say, Jesus, if this is who you are, it says that you heal, then my wife needs some healing because she is an innocent victim to, to the thing. She didn't deserve the things that happened to her that I caused. Mm-hmm. And would you please heal her? And you know, Scott, he, he did. Wow. When I was in that program, I got the phone call that that my wife was supernaturally healed by God of all of her injuries. Now she had some surgeries, but oh they told her God. that she was never going to walk out of that hospital. Wow! And God healed her spine, and she she is completely one hundred percent healed to this day. Wow! Now even more than even the physical miracle was the emotional healing that God provided. My wife called me and wanted me to come to see her in the hospital. Wow! wow. I honestly thought when she called me that she was going to serve me divorce papers. And I was okay with that because I knew I deserved it. Um, But when I went, that's not what happened. When I went to the hospital to see her, I had to walk through the waiting room to get to her room. And of course, all of her family was there and they were very, very angry with me. Mm -hmm. And I remember having to walk through there and the shame that I felt and the the looks I was getting. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I walked into the room, the whole atmosphere completely changed from judgment, anger, and hatred to a room filled with love. And when I spoke to my wife called me over to her hospital bed, and I was in tears. I broke down because I see her laying in this bed hooked up to these machines and things that was going on, and I knew that I was my fault. Right, oh my. And uh, she just grabbed my hand, and she said, Ben, I want to tell you something. She said, about two weeks before this happened, you don't know this, but I gave my heart to Jesus. Oh and she said, I didn't want to tell you because I didn't know, I didn't think that you would be happy about it. I didn't know how you would react. I was kind of scared to talk to you. And she said, I don't know anything really about God. I, I'm just a new, new, new beginner in this. But she said, I know one thing. If he can forgive me of all the sins that I've committed in my life, he wants me to forgive you for this. Oh my God. And she awesome. said, if you will complete this program and you will do everything it takes to get your life on track, I want you to know that I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader, and I'm going to be here for you, and we're going to put the pieces of our life back together. And, 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 and so much happened, Scott. I mean, long story short, that's what happened. She, when she got out of the hospital and she, I mean, she was able to walk and she came to see me at the program every weekend she would come and they had cabins there um, where we, we could stay together as a married couple and, and we would get marriage counseling and we just began to heal together with Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
And um, I got out of the program and I, I went back home and, and, and God just came into our family and began to repair the, the hurt that was there between my kid. My kids were angry with me for what I'd done. Mm -hmm. and, and God just began to work on all that. And today, and this has been eight years ago, and here we, today I'm still married to the same woman. Awesome. My kids call me dad. Awesome. My kids look me in the eye. Um, we, have, we have a good relationship. Uh, our, my marriage is better than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. And, and God has just taken me from, from eight years ago when I got out of recovery to now to from being such a broken man, mm -hmm. not knowing even what the next day of my life was going to be like mm -hmm. and, and worried about so many things to now. He's gave me my own business. I'm a business owner. He gave me a ministry to run, Exodus Ministries. Um, I work. I go in the jail. I work with the JCAP program. I've been a block chaplain in the jail. I got ordained as a pastor in 2016. I mean, God has done so much in my life. God mm -hmm. to completely 100% transform my life from who I was to who I am today. And what the life that I'm living now is so far beyond anything I could have ever imagined. I mean, when the Bible says in Ephesians 3.20 that he wants to do above and beyond what you can ever even think or imagine to ask him for, I believe that is true, Scott, mm -hmm. because the things that he's done in my life, I, it was so far beyond what I could even think to even ask God to do. Mm -hmm. Right. But that's what he's done. We put limits on God. <laughs> we do. <laughs> and uh, I'm just so thankful to be a part of this community, um, to be a part of the body of Christ in this community and be a part of the church I go to, a new beginnings church and world outreach which has a fantastic uh radio ministry reaching over eight million people every week on shortwave radio wow. um just so many things that god has allowed me to be a part of that um it's just it's mind-blowing to me at mm -hmm. times when i think about who i used to be mm -hmm. and the things that i've done that god would take a person like that and change their life and, and cause them to be used for the kingdom of god it's just amazing mm -hmm. it really is mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing your amazing story. And it just goes to show time and time and time again, God came to heal the sick and the broken. Uh, ben, I've read your brochure. I've talked to you a little bit. You're doing wonderful things. But for people that don't know, could you please tell me what is Exodus Ministries and just who you guys are? Sure. Uh, Exodus Ministries is a faith-based long-term residential recovery program. So we provide housing for men in our community who have struggled with uh, drug and alcohol addiction. Uh, many of them have had uh, run-ins with the law and have court, court things going on uh, and uh, are facing some um, consequences of those things. And so a lot of times we work with the court, with community corrections and with the probation department to uh, get these men into a structured therapeutic environment where they are able to uh, to focus on recovering from their addictions and get the help that they need and we like to provide a place where we can um, give them that and in our in our uh, ministry we uh, we provide a place where it relieves a lot of the stresses and distractions of the outside world um, that they can just focus on that and not have to worry about um, paying bills mm -hmm. and all those kinds of things that, that would, you know, put stress on you when you're in recovery and they can just focus on the recovery. And of course, uh, we, our foundation is Jesus Christ and we provide biblical uh, um, approach to, <coughs> excuse me, to the um, recovery along with the 12 step model and evidence based along with that. Mm -hmm. um, so we do a lot of things like um, the Celebrate Recovery is part of our uh, program, um, a program called Seeking Safety, which deals with PTSD and substance abuse together. So Great. a lot of dealing with trauma, um, 
in the recovery world, we know that uh, the majority of, of addicts have had some sort of severe trauma in their life that has um, been the root issue of causing the addiction. Um, that those things, the addiction comes to suppress that trauma. So we really like to focus on that. And of course, anyone that's uh, in the faith-based world knows that Jesus can come and heal those things that have happened to us that bring uh, hurt and pain and suffering in our life. And when we, we believe when we focus on that and we bring biblical counseling and biblical training along with these 12-step uh, uh, models, uh, of recovery that they can really get healing in that area and then the addiction just sort of naturally is going to fall off because there's no more pain there that is the source of mm -hmm. the wanting to numb that pain exactly so that's really kind of what we do and who we are um, our mission really is to really focus on bringing that recovery to the Warsaw and Kosciuszko County area um, we do serve the surrounding counties as well, mm -hmm. but uh, our focus is really here. Uh, my passion is is here because I I've been a lifelong resident of this area, and I mm -hmm. myself went through a 20 year period of addiction in my own life, mm -hmm. and uh, and when I was going through my addiction, there really wasn't anything here to help me mm -hmm. at that time. If there would have been, maybe it wouldn't have lasted 20 years, but uh, right. there just really wasn't any help. And so, you know, when I did, I, I ended up going to Indianapolis to get the help that I needed for my addiction in a faith-based program there. And um, when I got back, um, shortly after I was home, there was a, a program called True Purpose Ministries that mm -hmm. was starting up here. And I got mm -hmm. involved with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really changed my life of just being able to, to help um, others why I was kind of fresh out of recovery myself it really right. helped me to stay focused on my own recovery and to begin to see how the things I had learned in recovery not only helped me but I could use it to help mm -hmm. the tools to help others and it really kept me focused on that path I, I really don't know where I'd be today mm -hmm. if it wasn't for that um, so I, I got involved real quickly into recovery myself and I've just really um, have been focused on this community because um, my passion of living here and knowing the people growing up, my friends that were mm -hmm. in the same boat I was needing help mm -hmm. and just wanting to bring that here. Uh, the thing that somebody gave me when I needed, I wanted to be able to give that to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Well, that's fantastic because you you haven't just read about this in psychology books. You've lived the life. I and have. So you know what the people are going through. So you can yes. put yourself right in their shoes yes. and you know the way to path to recovery. That's fantastic. Um, if someone's out there listening right now that's struggling with addiction and things, um, how do they get in touch with you? So they can call the intake number, which is 574-377-2699. Um, they can also write us a letter um, for people who are incarcerated. I don't know if it, this would be able to be anybody who's in jail, but that they can write us at P.O. Box 1862, Warsaw, Indiana, 46581. Um, we also have a website, which is exodusministries.us. Um, you can go on there, and there's also a link to um, to start the enrollment mm -hmm. process on there, mm -hmm. and that will send an email directly to us to get that mm -hmm. process started. Mm -hmm. So those are three ways. Um, I really do like people to write us letters for the simple fact that um, we don't always have the time to really talk for long periods of time on the phone, but in a letter you can kind of lay out your your tell us your story. You know what's going mm -hmm. on in your life. Why do you think mm -hmm. our program would be a good fit for you? What you know what's been going on mm -hmm. in your life. And, and so I really like the letters because it really lets me get to know a person and really where they're at. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, I'll be honest, Scott, our program may not be the perfect fit for every single mm -hmm. person, but we just want to help people get recovery. So if it if it's not that our program wouldn't be a fit, we'd like to try to help people get mm -hmm. into a program that would be a fit for oh, them. Oh, that's awesome. So. Yeah. 
So if you, if you, if you or you know somebody that's struggling, uh, give Ben a call, or um, if you want, give a Costa Gasco Chamber a call, a call, and we'll get you in touch with Ben. But Ben, thank you so much for bringing your ministry to Costa Gasco County. I know you said you've been a lifelong resident, but just thank you for coming back. Thank you for investing in our community, and I just I just pray that you help anybody out there that needs help. It's a, it's a privilege, and you know we um, we're just really excited about. Uh, in the last, I would say in the last four or five years, I have really seen this community completely change. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's been a lot of people like myself and others in the recovery community who have put in a lot of hard work to help break the stigma mm -hmm. of addiction in this community. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing it start to change. Uh, it seems like a lot of the churches, a lot of organizations, a lot of our, our wonderful businesses that are part of the chamber, a lot of them are supporting mm -hmm. ministries like mine and other mm -hmm. of, of the addiction recovery ministries and, and, and programs in our community. And that's what it takes. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes a village to raise a child, they say mm -hmm. sometimes, and it's the same thing in addiction. Mm -hmm. um, it, it takes all the community to, to break this, and I'm, and I'm seeing it. We know with the JCAP program, with uh, programs like ours, uh, Fellowship Missions, I mean, so all, we're all working together. Mm -hmm. um, we're not trying to compete with each other. We're all here to just offer what we can do uh, to affect our, our community. That's awesome. Well, thank you again so much, and thank you for being a member of the Costco Chamber of Commerce, for sharing your story. And please, if you're listening to this and you need help, please reach out to them. Thank you. Thanks, Scott.